Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Last show here, last show of 2022. Okay, I've got a great deal to get to here. I'm going to start with this. You've heard me mention Tate Prouse in the past. This is an individual, a citizen, who lives in the same town as me. We went to school together, and he, of course, has filed a lawsuit against the city of Oxford. The mayor, the chief of police, and every city council member regarding, of course, all of their completely unconstitutional and completely illegal measures regarding the COVID nonsense and their pseudo lockdowns and you can't have this many people in your house at one time and you need to wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. Massive violation of rights. And that's putting it mildly. Um, here's what he sent me just the other day. And of course he told me that I'm allowed to, uh, to break, break this down as much as I want and and get into this. And I, I fully plan on doing that at least to some extent, but he said this, he sent this my way. He said, attorney representing all defendants filed an answer before anyone was even served summons district district court clerk rather said that he has never seen that happen. These liars can't help but be deceptive. He said he would email me uh, what their answer was, what the lawyers representing, of course, the chief of police in the city of Oxford and all those idiots and, and, and what they, uh, you know, basically what they stated in regards to him filing his initial suit. And I have that document and it is laughable. It's basically... Just to quickly summarize it, it's it's the city's lawyers going through every paragraph and saying that they deny basically everything. That we deny what the plaintiff says in paragraph this, and we deny what the paragraph, you know, what, what is said in, in this paragraph and that paragraph. Um, Tate, of course, has gone back and, and watched a number of the city council meetings. And he ended up saying this in response as well. He said, I'll email it to you in a bit. It was pathetic, frankly. A hodgepodge of objectivity, false statements of law, with blanket denials, with no explanation or factual evidence. And that's true, not to mention the lawyer doesn't have to provide any evidence during this particular time because, again, Tate is asking for a a trial by jury. This is going to back up on these people because, again, if Tate can prove every single line that he states with evidence from the you know from the mouths of of city council members by themselves then they're done they're finished you see this is one of the funniest parts about this entire process and I'm going to keep reading the text message he sent me here and then dive in a little bit into his specific complaints cuz he has at least 17 of them and he uses legal precedent to back them up uh, not to mention the specific actions that the chief of police and then, of course, the city council and the mayor engaged in themselves. Um, where this backs up on on city councils and mayors with everything that they've done over the last two and a half years is they air all of their board meetings on the internet. Anybody can go back and look at any of these anytime they want. They can have them transcribed. You can you can you know take these videos, turn them into an MP3, and have them transcribed 
through a transcription company if you want. There's a number of ways to just go back and prove that these individuals, in fact, said what they said. You can, you can show video proof in court if given the opportunity. You can show the transcriptions and read directly from the transcriptions. You can admit them as evidence. So, you know, it's, 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 funny, and la- it's funny and sad because these people are so stupid that they don't understand that, yes, uh, you know, th- their lawyer can say, well, they have immunity because they're elected officials. And, and the fact is, is that's not true. Not to mention what went down within states and cities across the United States, in particular in Ohio, was not state law. You know, particular measures that are, that are implemented within particular areas, very small jurisdictions, do not trump state law or federal constitutional law. They just don't. They can pretend like they do. They can say, well, we're doing it because the state said that we can. That's false. That's not true. They can say, uh, you know, they can word it any way that they want. They can say, well, we were doing it because we were interested in the safety of everyone. And we had, there was no malice and there was no ill intent and it was all done for the safety of everybody. See, jokes on them because COVID isn't real. They don't even know what COVID stands for. It's the, it's the most widely used acronym, and yet no one knows what it stands for. They think it stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. Bullshit. No, it doesn't. It doesn't stand for that. Certificate of Vaccination Identification Artificial Intelligence. That's what it stands for. They can't prove that it stands for COVID-19. That's, gar- that's complete garbage. So th- that's, again, it's superficial, so to speak, but that's number one. The basis for which they are believing things that aren't real isn't even real. Number two, the mask wearing has been proven to be complete and utter nonsense. Nothing is aerosoled. And if you want to take it even further, of course, you can dive down the virology lie and all of that stuff. I mean, a person could really implement all of this in court in front of a jury if given the opportunity. But the role of the lawyer for the defense and for city council right now is to simply just deny everything. Well, we didn't do anything and this is wrong and nothing happened and no one was hurt and we were protecting people and best interests and blah, blah, blah. They can say all that until they're blue in the face. It's not going to change the fact that they don't get to trump constitutional law. You don't get to tell people how many people you can have in your house or you're going to be fined. Again, this town, and I'm calling it a town, even though population-wise it's barely a city, but it's a town. This town made national news for suspending students because they were, there were some six students renting a house, living together. And they were claiming, again, that the students themselves were, that, that it's not that big a deal. So what? There are six students in buildings all of the time. Who, who gives a damn? But they were arrested, and they were cited, and they were fined. And then, of course, the parents sued the university. And the, the, the arresting officers were saying, well, it's a, it's a city ordinance. You have, to, you, know, you have to distance yourselves and you have to do this and do that. Uh, it's Bolshevism. That's Bolshevism. 
and they don't get to do that. I mean, that, 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 should, <laughs> that should go without saying, but yeah. Uh, he continued here with his text messages. And he said, I amended my complaint and filed that today at the clerk's office. I'll send an email. I'll send an email that too. Uh, it's basically my complaint on steroids. I went back and listened to the city council meetings in August of 2020 when they were discussing this ordinance. Chief Jones came right out and said it was a violation of the First Amendment several times. Unquote. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Even the chief of police warned them on camera, on audio, on video, during one of their own stupid little powwow meetings, that uh, you can't do this. This is unconstitutional. Now they're being sued for it, and they're saying that it's not unconstitutional and that they're allowed to do it. Again, this is a big deal because if given the opportunity in a trial, at the very least, they're going to be slapped down if it rules in Prowse's favor, which it should, but they're going to be slapped down and basically told everything you did was unconstitutional. A judge has ruled it, which means you can never do it again. As far as any monetary compensation is concerned, that's another issue. I'm not going to get into that. But it keeps them and anybody from holding those positions from ever doing it, and it sets a precedent that can be referenced by anybody anytime. And it's a beautiful thing. It's absolutely beautiful. But I want to read through uh, Tate's facts here regarding his complaint and his lawsuit. There, again, there are 17 of them, so, so bear with me here. Because, again, this matters. And the, and the legalese and the... Uh, the language here is, is a big, big deal. It says facts. Number one, in August 2020, city policymakers began discussing an ordinance that would ban mass gatherings of 10 or more non-household members. Okay, they began discussing that. Again, they can discuss it, but that right there, you're bordering on complete illegality. You can't make that determination legally. You don't get to do that. We have free will in this country. The simple fact that they're having the conversation back then is absurd. It says, number two, during the August 4th, 2020 city council meeting, uh, Southard requested that the city's legal department create an ordinance that carried some weight, quote unquote, regarding sufficient punishment. So now they wanted punishments for people who didn't comply. Number three, he has it timestamped around one hour, 16 minutes, and 50 seconds. Elliot, another board member, states that if the city put together an ordinance, he was not sure he wanted to ask the police to be involved, noting that if citations were administrative, he felt the city would fare better. Elliot noted that if the city goes to court with a criminal charge for gathering of over 10, he was not sure the county prosecutor or judge would support the city. Again, they're openly admitting that what they're doing is, is running a very fine line between legal and illegal. You know, again, their judgment is so poor in this whole scenario. And again, you know, I, I, want, I want people to keep this in mind, regardless of where you live and, and regardless of who is listening to this. 
This happened everywhere. That's why this is a big deal. This happened everywhere, but you have these I didn't I didn't vote for these assholes, but somebody did, some dummy did. Uh and, and put them in office, of course, as elected officials. They're having these conversations all of the time. How can they strip you of your rights? And then how can they get away with it? That that's also a massive takeaway from this, I think. This is always happening. It doesn't matter if it's happening in D.C. or it's happening in your backyard. It's happening all of the time. I hear the word politician, honest to God. It, it runs down my spine in, in such a bad way. Um, the, the casual nature in which these people are just having these general conversations about illegality and we're going we're, we're gonna to do this and we're going to do that and everybody has to follow it is such horseshit. It's, it's beyond belief. Is fact number four. It says at the one hour, 20 minute and 16 second mark, Jones states, the chief of police, I have talked to the judge, quote, I have talked to the judge and the attorneys, further stating that, quote, there are things that I don't want to say in a public meeting because I don't want people to find out the way to get around the ordinance, unquote. (laughs) He's openly admitting he's going to get caught. He's openly admitting that he's going to get caught. So if he speaks about it too much in a public forum while he's being recorded, it's going to be used against him in a court of law. This is the chief of police. He's a piece of shit, too. Number five. Jones and all other policymakers named as defendants here in this complaint knew or should have known that the ordinance they were proposing violated clearly established law and as such, their actions were manifestly outside the scope of their authority. Yeah, that's the understatement of the year, no doubt. Number six, at the one hour, 21 minute, 25 second mark, Jones attempted to urge counsel to use existing law and that based on his conversations with the judge, the judge told him that a city ordinance would hold up in court a lot less than a state code, and even that's not going to hold up. This proves Jones was very aware of just how unconstitutional this ordinance was. Yet he and his officers enforced it anyway. At the 1 hour, 21 minute, 59 second mark, Jones states, quote, The legislation counselors were suggesting may not hold up in court. There is a First Amendment freedom to assemble, so if you're going to let people protest in the street who are committing disorderly conduct, you can't take someone peacefully out of their yard who is having a party just for simply being there, unquote. Exactly. This is where this is going to back up on them, because what did they do in June? the beginning of June in this town in 2020, they had Black Lives Matter rallies. They had it in a field under a covered deck that my dad threw a bomb on. And then, of course, they came after him and lied about him and all that stuff. I've, I've been over that before, a long time ago, but whatever. And then, of course, they marched all the way uptown and they yelled and screamed and shout, shouted right next to each other, right in front of the police station. 
And then, you can't make this shit up, they walked back over to the courthouse, flopped around on the ground in the street in front of the courthouse like dead fish out of water, or dying fish out of water, yelling, hands up, don't shoot, I can't breathe. These retards. <laughs> it's, 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 it's incredible. It's incredible. They do A on one side and then claim they didn't do it on the other. Or that if they impose some law on the other side, it doesn't contradict what they were doing in the first place. Freedom of assembly for them, but no one else. Got it. Got it. They're screwed. They're absolutely screwed in this. Number seven, Jones went on to urge counsel. If, if one more thing, Tate's already filed this, but Tate, if you're listening to this, I, I you know, that, that's a quick little line in there. Toss that in there if you haven't, uh, you know, further down in, in this complaint. Of course, you could bring it up in court anytime you want. And I, I believe later on, you probably mentioned the stuff about Miami University and their parents weekend. See, all of a sudden, the parents showed up the first month or two into the school year of 2020, and they took all the distancing signs down, and they took everything down. You can't do this. You can't do that. Everybody was packing into bars and restaurants and whatever. Then as soon as the parents left, the signs went back up. You can't do this. You can't do that. You have to wear a mask. You have to do this. You have to do that. Bullshit. Complete violation of our rights, without a doubt. Number seven. It says, Jones went on to urge counsel to use current tools already in place and once again stated, quote, constitutional law does come into play. That was at the 1 hour, 23 minute, 11 second mark. Prythrich states at the 1 hour, 38 minute, 34 mark, and he's another, he's another city council member, and for the love of God, you know, as God is my witness, they're all gay. I mean, if they're not all gay, they're all ambiguously gay, and it's disgusting because their degenerate behavior in their own home, as we are seeing, is spilling over into their professional lives, and then they make their degeneracy uh, commonplace among the people, or attempt to anyway. It's gross. Anywho, Prathrich stated, quote, it's ambiguous how it's against the law to hold a party, unquote. He actually said that. <laughs> he actually said that. These people believe what they say. It says this, ev uh, this evidence, this evidences his and other policymakers' ignorance on two fronts. One, First Amendment rights, and two, the role of the legislative authority of Ohio municipalities. It says the First Amendment is most obviously clearly established law that any reasonable public official should know in enforcing ordinances on non-persons, such as was done, is manifestly outside the scope of the city council's authority. The shocking way in which this was done by summarily fining U.S. citizens through an administrative law process while using a blatantly unconstitutional ordinance as pretext can be directly attributed to the woeful and non-existent basic constitutional training and supervision regarding city policymakers. Well written, well said. Well done. Number nine. Southard, Prythrich, Bracken, and all other council members hold the false belief that their ordinances carry the same weight as laws. <laughs> 
correct. They do it with their actions and their own words because they don't reference law. They just think that they are political officials and well if we say it then it, you know, then it's legal. And that's not how it works. They mention this several times. He said, "Furthermore, they did not heed the warnings of Jones regarding the brazenly unconstitutional nature of 3579, which was their stupid ordinance." Number 10. During the August 18th, 2020 council meeting, he has the link directly to it. Bracken advocates for fines starting at $2,000 and even mentioned $5,000 fines, showing his ignorance of due process, the 7th and 8th Amendment, period. At the 2 hour, 12 minute, 15 second mark, Bracken states, quote, we should focus on advertising this and plaster the town with this threat, unquote. Jason Bracken is a lunatic. He's a lunatic. This is the guy, again, who lied about my father, along with the mayor. He's an absolute militant lunatic. Is he gay? He sure is. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. It's a fact. This guy's nuts. He's a double masker, ladies and gentlemen. Two masks. Twice as stupid. A double masker. What did I hear him say once? Oh, please, memory, help me out. I heard him say once in a city council meeting, long time ago, I think I even put it on my Gab page, something about how natural immunity, yeah, there it is, thanks, brain, natural immunity isn't a thing. Honest to Christ, he said it, that, that vaccines work better than natural immunity. And he doesn't understand why someone would hesitate to get a vaccination, let alone fill, fill yourself up to the brim with them, because he doesn't think that natural immunity even exists. This is how retarded these people are. <laughs> Honest to God. Number 11. Number 11. At the two minute, 15, I'm sorry, two hour, 15 minute, 13 second mark, Bracken asks law director Conrad, how he thinks this law would hold up in court, to which Conrad questions the constitutionality of the ordinance, but says that he is comfortable with the ordinance due to the emergency powers currently in place. No. I'm going to stop it right there before I finish it. Well, I'll finish it. It says emergency powers most certainly do not grant a local government, or any government for that matter, powers that they do not currently hold. Correct. No need for me to sum that up. There's no such thing as emergency powers. That doesn't trump constitutional law. Powers. The word powers. I'll tell you what, when these idiots start using the word power, that's awfully telling, isn't it? Number 12. The Ohio Supreme Court has addressed emergency powers such as, quote, an emergency does not confer legislative power which otherwise would not exist because of constitutional limitations. And then he has the precedent case that lays that out. It says, quote, no emergency constitutes an excuse for adoption of legislation which the Constitution clearly prohibits, but an emergency may furnish it the occasion for the exercise of power contained within the Constitution, 
not theretofore deemed necessary to invoke. Unquote. Number 13. Their ordinance 3579 was unanimously passed by council even though Elliot and Jones voiced their disapproval and advocated for alternative solutions. This once again evidences the city policymakers' complete lack of fundamental constitutional knowledge due in part to their lack of any constitutional training. Correct. These idiots put signs in their yards. They promise all kinds of things to people. Most of them, of course, are leftist lunatics. They raise their right hand. They, they, they you know, put their other hand on a Bible for which they've never read in their life. And they swear an oath. They don't understand what that means. That the moment you do that, there are more laws that you have to follow than your average citizen. This is an avenue of thought they never consider, and their actions again prove that. It continues, number 14, we're almost done. 3579 is unconstitutional on its face. 3579 violates the First Amendment. When 3579 was enforced, as it was for at least 23 citizens of the United States, Exhibit B, it violates the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th Amendment. 3579 also creates separate classes of citizens, some enjoying more rights and privileges than others similarly situated, which violates the Equal Protections Clause of the 14th Amendment. Citizens suspected of violating 3579 were met with trespass upon their property by Oxford Police Department officers. This is true. These officers, with the full knowledge and approval of Jones and other policymakers, issued citations where fines of $500 were demanded for first-time infractions and $1,000 fines for subsequent infractions. They're lunatics. Number 15. On or around 9-11-2020, then-Vice Mayor and current Mayor William Snavely. Also ambiguously gay, if you ask me. Uh, he looks like a kid toucher. That's just my opinion, allegedly. Spoke during a CNN interview. Yep, that's right, Don Lemon, the dumbest man on television. During this interview, Snavely advocated for even more draconian fines to be issued against U.S. citizens for violating 3579. Every policymaker within the city of Oxford government was complicit in the deprivation of rights under color, color of state law. During an already tumultuous time for citizens of the United States, policymakers for the city of Oxford took incredible steps to effectively chill and deter an entire population of citizens of their First Amendment right. In the process of effectively chilling the First Amendment right of all U.S. citizens within the territorial jurisdiction of the city of Oxford, city policymakers created separate classes of citizens some that had all the rights, privileges, and immunities guaranteed to them by the U.S. Constitution and others that did not have those same rights. You're going to have to prove that, and I'm sure that he can. You're going to have to prove again that there were people gathering and meeting in big groups without the masks and all that bullshit, and then, of course, people that, that were not. Um, pretty easy to prove, I would, I would assume. Number 16. 
Prowse, along with every other U.S. citizen residing within the territorial jurisdiction of the city of Oxford, was chilled and deterred from exercising his First Amendment right. Prowse has a larger family and, as such, was unable to gather with them during the holiday season of 2020 due to fear of having armed police officers show up to his door without a warrant, determined that there were too many people gathering together and issue a $500 fine. As a result of the state color of law action that violated Prowse's constitutionally secured rights, Prowse suffered severe emotional trauma and anxiety, which manifested itself in numerous physical symptomologies. Of course. Of course. Because that's what happens when you harass people against, you know, which will, yeah, it's against the law. But that's what happens when, when you torture people. I mean, they even, they would show up on his property and vandalize his property. He told me that story was awful. Um, and finally, number 17. These state color of law actions by City of Oxford policymakers were manifestly outside the scope of their duties and obligations. When government policymakers like defendants go rogue and brazenly sacrifice people's rights upon the altars of safety, quote-unquote, security, quote-unquote, and health, quote-unquote, the result is devastating to society. Quote, and he's quoting this from Map versus Ohio. Nothing can destroy a government more quickly than a failure to observe its own laws or worse, its disregard for the charter of its own existence, unquote. Well done. This is absolutely well done. And if this makes it to a trial, there's absolutely no way, no way that any jury would rule in favor of the city council unless, of course, you're pulling double, triple jab, double mask-wearing lunatics to be jury members. That's the only way. Because other than that, you have to rule against these people. Again, it's the scheming and the meddling, okay? That's the, that's the dirty part of this. It's the conspiracy to break the law that is the bigger issue as well. I mean, they were meeting behind closed doors away from their own open sessions, open scheduled sessions, I'm certain, and, uh, and scheming and meddling and, and doing what Bolsheviks do. It's disgusting. But it's, a, in, it, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, but it looks like an exquisite case. They have no defense other than to say, we disagree with what Prowse has stated, which is all that their lawyer has said. That we deny it. We deny, we deny, we deny. They can use the word deny all they want if it makes its way to a trial by jury. Prowse has all the footage. He, he, he could play. He could play the entire clips of all of the city council meetings for days and days and days and days. He could play them all because they're so telling. And, and even if he selected just a couple of clips out and said, see, they actually said this. Someone might, you know, the, their defense would say, well, that's out of context. That's not in context. Well, great. Put it in context. Play the whole damn meeting. Because what you're going to see is, is you're going to see the lunacy of these people. You're going to see their motives, the way that they look, the way that they sound, the malice in their voice. Any jury is going to get all of it, that these people have it out for the citizens of their own city. That's not a good look. Not a good look to a judge, not a good look to a jury. Doesn't look good in a court. 
that's not going to look good. That's going to make them look like they have ulterior motives of complete and utter control, of which they have none. So I wish him the absolute best. He said he would keep me in the loop as to what's going on. He's doing that. I'll keep bringing it up as new revelations uh, come to bear here. But yeah, absolutely exquisite. Well done. Well done indeed. Okay, moving on here. I have one quick geopolitical thing here. Seems uh, rather interesting, I think, from military.com. It says, in major step, Space Force takes over all military satellite communications. Interesting. Colorado Springs, Colorado, the Space Force has taken over all Department of Defense's military satellite communications functions, a major step in building the new service. The Navy and Army have transferred major satellite communications operations to the Space Force in an effort to consolidate training, operations, acquisition, and other activities, according to a news release. It says the transfer marks the first time all military satellite communication functions have been consolidated under a single military service. Now, why would that be happening? Why would all military satellite communications, and again, satellites aren't real, they're not, you know, floating around in fake space, it's just communications. Why would they all be shifted to the Donald Trump military-created newest arm of the military, the Space Force, which of course has nothing to do with space aliens or, uh, you know, Mars nonsense. It's about communication. And now they have all of it. I just find that to be interesting. Just something to roll around the old brain pan from time to time. Yeah. Interesting to say the least. Moving on here. Education stuff. And there's a few things. Let me play this first. This was interesting. And this was sent to me by a contributor to the show. They know who they are. And thank you again for sending it. It's a quick TikTok video of a Missouri teacher describing what's going on with the school system that they teach in and neighboring school systems. I'm going to give you a guess as to what they're talking about. You'll probably guess correctly. So here's that audio in three, two, one. In from Missouri, where it was just announced uh, yesterday that one of the largest school districts in the state is going to a four-day week because they can't find teachers and they can't afford to pay the teachers. Um, Olathe School District is doing blackout dates for transportation, so there's not consistent transportation to school anymore because they can't find bus drivers. And I'm watching my neighbor right now, who's in fifth grade, and he just told me that his elementary school, which serves like a large portion of the urban core of Kansas City, is being closed after this year because they can't find teachers. And it is terrifying because it feels like access to public education is being purposefully removed here. It's very obvious at this point. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wonder why that's the case. Now, here's the funny part. She kind of looks like a leftist, and at the end, she seems to think that it's purposely being taken away from students, that the opportunity to learn is being deprived from these students. No, no, that's not what's happening. 
what's happening is the jabbed are getting sick and they're dying. That's what's happening. And what's happening is that these individuals don't want to, well, I should say healthy individuals, healthy individuals don't want to work within those environments because they don't want to be shed on. They don't want to get ill. They're probably unjabbed. And the entire situation is an absolute circus and a shit show. So why would anybody want to fill in, either as a bus driver, a substitute, whatever it may be? And they're running out of money. The four-day-a-work week is twofold. It's to save money because they don't have the people there anymore to pay them. So if they just turn the lights off for an entire day out of the school week, then they think they're saving money, which, you know, they are, which is fine. Even so, it is the collapse. Now, she thinks, again, that it's because of politics and depriving children of, of their education. Again, that's not, that's not it. That's not it. It's all the nonsense that that particular teacher probably engaged in themselves over the last couple of years, and now it's backing up on them like a bad toilet. And it's just going to keep overflowing and then fall over onto the floor, and then what are they going to do then? They're going to close their doors. So I found both of those studies, because it's not, or sorry, those news reports rather, because it's not difficult. KansasCityStar.com. Independence becomes largest school district in Missouri to adopt a four-day week. It says, uh, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. The board voted six to one to adopt a shorter school week despite parent concerns about transparency and a push by one board member to continue engaging the public on the issue before making a decision. The district is making the change to offer a new incentive to employees aiming to better attract and retain staff amid ongoing labor shortages. Here's the thing. I love this. I just love it. It makes me all warm inside. This is not only the complete collapse. As you've heard me say, they're trying to pick up mercury with a fork. They have no idea what's causing this. The only way that you hire people who want to work in these environments is if you completely get rid of all of the restrictions that you have in place for employment, which means who are you really employing? What kind of person with alleged morals and values are you actually employing? I think that's the first thing, because we know that they're not getting, so, you know, the, uh, the cream of the crop, so to speak. Number two, the well is dry that they're pulling from, which is teacher education programs. They're finished. They're finished. You heard me say again in the last episode that was reported to me that the University of Alabama Mobile, if I'm saying that correctly, had a 35% decrease in enrollment. No one's going there anymore. They can't keep the lights on, and it's not by their own choice, so to speak. It had to do with their own decisions and, of course, the rollout of the jabs and people getting sick and dying, et cetera, et cetera. 
not to mention people not wanting to play the exemption game and everything else. The well is dry. I, you know, an interview I'd really like to do, a conversation I'd like to have would be with an undergraduate student right now today who is in a teacher education program. And I would want to sit them down and ask them some very basic questions. You got into teacher education because fill in the blank. What do you think about what's gone on over the last two years in education? Fill in the blank. Their answers to those are going to be very telling. And then, of course, there's a follow up question at the end, which is speaking on your behalf, of course, but do your best to sort of speak on behalf of those that you know that are also in these teacher education programs. Do they believe what you also believe? Do you all hold the same? points of view by and large on these particular issues that you've just brought up? Because if the answer is yes, then they're done. They're done. They're not pulling from any source of quality. There was probably a time when they were. That time is long since dead. It doesn't exist anymore. Because as, as you've heard me say, you cannot work in this business and teach the truth. They want you to teach from the book, the book alone, and if you deviate from that, or heaven forbid you, you bring up some real historic fact that contradicts what the book says is a historic fact, then it's a parent phone call, it's a parent complaint, uh, somebody files a complaint against you, and then you're out of the business. That's Bolshevism also, which is the entire business. A four-day work week won't solve their problems. Here's a direct quote from the superintendent, Dale uh, Hurl, if that's how you pronounce his name. I'm going to hurl reading this. Quote, I understand that this is a difficult choice, he said. But at the end of the day, what we really have to remain focused on is what the primary focus of a school district is. Most would agree it is to provide the best educational opportunities for students. The way to do that is to have the best employees. That's impossible now. It's impossible now. You can't fix what you've created here. It's over. This is also from the Kansas City Star. Again, the other story that the gal brought up. It says, quote, without enough drivers, Oloth, or Oath, however you pronounce it, schools to cancel certain bus routes on blackout days. This is happening in school districts all across the United States. It's happening everywhere. They don't have bus drivers because the bus drivers don't want to play the game. They don't have any bus drivers anymore because the bus drivers who played the game are double or triple or quadruple jabbed. They're screwed. We've, I mean, how many, how many bus accidents have existed this year? Bus, bus crashes. You heard me bring that up back in August. And as God is my witness, it was the it was it it happened on the first day of school where I live. A bus went right into a house filled with the bus was filled with students. Went right through the front door of a house because the bus driver had a flipping heart attack. <laughs> I mean, my God! School buses and airplanes—they're pretty much the least safe transportation methods that a person can possibly take. <laughs> 
because the people operating those vehicles are jabbed. Ugh. Blows me away. It blows me away. I cannot, uh, you know, I mean, they, they've just done themselves in. That's the best way I can that I can summarize it. They've done themselves in and they have no idea why. It's going to continue to be the case. They're going to continue to scratch their heads. They're going to make it sound like, um, you know, it's, it's being done by government, you know, because they're trying to limit uh, the education of minorities. And they'll play the minority card or the race card or they'll do whatever they have to do. That's not it. It's all jab related. It's the complete destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah as far as I'm concerned. And it's happening. And, you know, we get to sit back in a lawn chair and watch the whole thing burn. I'm fine with it. I'm completely fine with it. Um, speaking of ridiculous things in education, here's another one. This is a follow-up to something, of course, that I wrote about in a previous book and, uh, and have mentioned on the show num numerous times. You know, the, the Connecticut high school girls on the track team who didn't want to run against a dude who was pretending to be a woman. This comes from CBNnews.com. Uh, it's titled, Appeals Court Rejects Lawsuit from High School Girls Who Lost Their Races to Transgender Athletes. It says a federal appeals court has dismissed a challenge to Connecticut's policy of allowing transgender students to compete in girls' high school sports, rejecting arguments by four biological female runners who said they were unfairly forced to race against transgender athletes with male biology. A three-judge panel of the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New York City upheld a lower court judge's dismissal of a lawsuit challenging the policy on Friday. The panel said that the four female athletes lacked standing to sue, in part because their claims that they were deprived of wins, state titles, and athletic scholarship opportunities were speculative. I, you know... This is the part of all of this that you've heard me say before. It's it's just an old yarn and a broken record. Stop participating in bread and circus bullshit. And if some dude shows up with his genitals flopping around, pretending to be a girl, walk off of the field of play forever. That's all. That's all. Stop playing the I mean, yes, I understand, you know, lost opportunities, lost opportunities for scholarship, et cetera, et cetera. I, f I fully get it. But you can't have a game without participants. And by their own policies, one person on a team who is a dude pretending to be a girl does not constitute the definition of a team. Therefore, you can't have a team. So don't have a team then. What are they going to do? Engage in every aspect of a track and field uh, competition by themselves, representing the school by themselves as a pretend girl? It's laughable. It's beyond laughable. Walk away permanently. That's all. Join together as a group of actual girls who aren't pretend girls and say, if some dude shows up, Pretending to be a girl, we all walk. Because what's going to happen? Everybody's going to go after the coach, and their life is going to be miserable. Make it miserable then. Everybody's going to go after the athletic director. 
their life is going to be miserable, make their life miserable again. Everybody's going to go after the principal of the school, make their life miserable then. Do it. Everybody's going to go after the superintendent. You see the dominoes that fall when people just walk away? That's all that has to happen here. Suing for materialistic, superficial nonsense at this point, like that. You know, we, we were deprived uh, an opportunity to get a scholarship because we had to run against a dude. Yes, it's unfair. Good luck in the uh, second U.S. Supreme Court, you know, Circuit Court of Appeals in New York City with that. Of course, it didn't work. But there you go. And again, if it's speculation that they were deprived of, of, the, of opportunities because they were being forced to run against a dude or compete against a dude, that's not speculation. It's biological fact and physiological fact that men are stronger than women, by and large. It's a known fact. But again, they're not biologists, so they can't make such statements. I mean, these people are lunatics, so just stop playing the game. Hang it up. Stop playing the game. Read a book. Speak English fluently. Learn how to write. Heaven forbid they learn how to write in cursive from time to time. There's so many other things they could be doing with their time. But these are the kinds of people that are slaves to the system. Again, they're in the matrix. I get to play my Matrix game if I want. Yes, you certainly do. You certainly do. And I agree with these girls. They shouldn't have to compete against a dude. That's preposterous. But you also live in Connecticut. And crazy people live in Connecticut. No offense. Not all of them, of course. But you know what I mean. I mean, if they're allowing this to happen, pick another school. Go somewhere else. Heaven forbid they homeschool. Can't have that. Because I can't play my ball sports. I can't, you know, I, I can't run around in a circle in a certain amount of time. So, you know, my future's destroyed. I mean, come on, give me a break. Hang it up, girls. You, you had, you know, you had your, uh, your moment in the sun. You, you brought a lot of awareness and a lot of attention to it. Now you got to lead by example. And you don't lead by example by suing. You lead by example by walking away. Just walk away. And if you're going to go to college, well, you know, attempt to be a walk-on if you think you're that great. If you're that great, you'll make it on the team as a walk-on. Go for it. Okay, moving on. Now, I want to read this, and I've been holding off on this for quite some time. I put this on my Gab page a couple of weeks ago, so my apologies for not getting to this, but I do want to read this because this is, this is interesting, and it's good, and um, it's very telling, of course, of the entire higher education environment. Um, it's not necessarily new in the sense that these kinds of indoctrinating behaviors are new, because they certainly are not. But this letter is relatively new, and uh, I just I, I want to read this with just a brief little background here. This is titled, Antioch University Counseling Whistleblower Tells of Radical Left-Wing Indoctrination in Training Being, being Forced on Grad Students. Now again, does that sound new to anybody listening to this show? Of course not. But this is a good thing because, again, this is a person who is waking up to what is going on. Uh, with that said, Antioch University is in Ohio. And according to my mom, who graduated from Ohio University back in the day, 
Um, she said Antioch University wasn't just where hippies went to school. That's where full-blown drug addicts went to school. So these kinds of behaviors shouldn't shock anybody, <laughs> is basically what I'm saying, and certainly what she's saying. Uh, she said back, back in the day, it was pretty, pretty well known that, uh, yeah, if, if, you, if you went to Antioch University, you liked heroin. So here we go. This is the transcription of her remarks. This is lengthy, but bear with me, it's worth it. She says, quote, Hi, my name is Leslie, and I would like to share with you my experiences in the clinical mental health counseling program at Antioch University and my concerns that graduates of this program may be underprepared or unprepared to serve their clients as counselors based on the training that they've received. Counselors are being trained not to remain objective and neutral with their clients, but rather to see themselves as agents of social change and to see their clients as opportunities for imprinting extreme left-wing views. And I say this as someone who's always considered myself to be socially and politically liberal. Well, you're going to shed that skin real quick, I bet. Because ladies and gentlemen, when you age, no one becomes a Democrat. You become more conservative. And then ultimately you break through that particular title and you just say, all government is bad. It continues. It says, Antioch has almost entirely replaced classical notions of education and psychology with social justice ideology. I'll give you some examples of how that plays out in counselor training. We were taught that our main role as counselors is not in our work with clients, individuals, and families, but rather as activists for social justice, just like the education system and teacher education, same thing. She continued. She said, we were taught to, upset, uh, I'm sorry, to assess ourselves and, uh, and our clients according to something called the addressing model. This uses the word addressing as an acronym, with each letter standing for a different demographic category. So, here it is, age and generation, developmental disability, disability acquired, Religion, ethnicity, and race, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, national origin and language, gender, gender identity, etc. Addressing. And for each of these categories, we are to give ourselves either a value of marginalized or privileged and do the same for our clients. And then add these up and see who's more privileged, quote unquote. And this teaches you how you're supposed to interact with your client. And if either of you, if one of you is white and the other is not, then automatically that's the trump card. And so the non white person is the marginalized person, no matter what the other categories say. This sounds absolutely crazy, but this is actually what they are teaching in a graduate-level clinical, uh, clinical applied psychology program to future counselors. It continues, it says, this is how you are to understand yourself and the person to whom you are speaking. We were taught to broach race, quote-unquote, earlier in the clinic, early, rather, in the clinical relationship, preferably with the first session. And what that means 
is that no matter what the client is coming in for, it could be relationship issues, depression, bereavement, any number of things that a person might come to see a counselor for. You are to bring that conversation around to race. And if you say you're a black person, I'm supposed to say to you, quote, how does it feel to you, a black person, to sit with me, a white person, as your counselor, unquote. And then if this doesn't seem like it's, the, it's a big deal to you, and it doesn't seem like race has been playing a big role in the issue that you're facing, I'm supposed to help increase your racial identity salient, quote unquote, which means making you more aware of how race, how, yeah, sorry, how race, white supremacy, and systemic racism has impacted the problems that you're having today. And if you're a white person, I'm supposed to help you see how you have been perpetuating white supremacy, quote unquote, knowingly and unknowingly against people of color instead of helping you work on the problems that you are bringing in and to steer your problems into a racial discussion. I'm not done. It gets crazier. Quote, I had a professor at Antioch for a multicultural perspectives class, which was basically a social justice training class, who called white women basic bitches, quote-unquote, Beckys, quote-unquote, and nothing special, quote-unquote, and told us that, quote, whites, white women's tears have been overvalued, unquote. Antioch also promotes racial segregation among students, frequently inviting us to join either a BIPOC affinity group or a white affinity group. The white group used to be called an accountability group, but they've changed that language. They've softened it a little, I guess. They also are prompting language, I'm sorry, promoting language, I can read, uh, which would change the word woman and replace the word woman with the term AFAB, AFAB, people with values. AFAB, A-F-A-B, stands for assigned female at birth. So instead of women, AFAB people with vulvas, exclamation point. If it sounds like heroin use, ladies and gentlemen, it's heroin use. <laughs> it's a cult. These people are drug addicts. It continues, quote, they promote the concept of the trans child as well, which means that according to Antioch's teachings, children can, now, can know from very early in life that they are transgender and that as a counselor, it's your job to, uh, quote, affirm and help them on their path to physical alterations of their bodies, unquote. It continues, it says not to explore with them what's going on and why they feel the way they do and help them to become comfortable with their physical body without drugs and surgeries. The counselor, or sorry, chancellor of Antioch also sends out frequent emails in response to social current events in politics and culture, and these are editorials. The most recent one, was about renaming Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. These emails tell us in really strong language how we're supposed to feel and respond and act in response to these events. There's no attempt at neutrality. 
There's no attempt at remaining politically objective. These are left-wing political talking points, and it seems to me, it is, so highly inappropriate that this person uses their access to the entire student body's emails to spread their political agenda far and wide. It's like a bullhorn. I've tried, I've responded to these, and I get dismissals. Because they don't care what you think. It continues, it says, I have reached out to my faculty advisor about my concerns about the program. I've reached out to the chair of the department. I have filed grievances with the provost. All of my concerns are being dismissed. Most recently, the faculty advisor admitted me, admitted to me rather, that they are aware that they are not training counselors who are going to be able to work with, in her words, the Trump supporter, quote unquote. So they are turning counseling into a profession that seeks to remake you, the client, into a political ideological form and pathologize alternative ways of thinking and socio-cultural political viewpoints. I have almost finished this degree. I only have a few classes left to take, and I'm finding myself kind of at a stopping point right now because they've instituted a, quote, civility pledge, which is a pledge to social justice ideology. It's a being aware of racism, ableism, heterosexism, etc., etc., and privileged and marginalized identities. Last paragraph, quote, I cannot sign this pledge. I do not agree with this ideology. I will not sign this pledge just because they have my master's degree held hostage. I hope that people are starting to become aware of just how significant this cultural takeover is. This divisive and hateful ideology. The implications for mental health care for people seeking mental health services, for people going to college, or sending their kids to school are huge. I really hope people will take this seriously and put a stop to this nonsense. Let's bring back sanity. Thank you for listening. Unquote. Well, yeah. My summary on that's pretty simple. The insane people are running the asylum. That's about all I can say about it. That's it. The inmates are running the asylum. There's no fixing it. The people who are teaching those ideologies, those classes, and all of the people supporting it are going to lose enrollment. They're going to lose people, and they're driving themselves out of their own line of work, and they don't even know it. Because with no students there to teach their bullshit to, they're going to be out of a job. Just like teacher education, same thing. Keep teaching the bullshit and watch what happens. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Feel terrible for them. But, uh, you know, a little late in the program to maybe transfer, just Finish and then start your own practice, I guess, or at least at the very least associate yourself with an institution that um, you know hasn't jabbed everybody who who works there. Who knows? They're probably jabbed themselves. Hard to say. It's just the constant thread, isn't it, that runs through everything. It's um, it's altering decisions and decision making, and they don't even see that as even being an issue. So even finding a job. 
within another college or university as a counselor or a psychologist or whatever it may be. Even a workplace, well, do you have to be jabbed to work there? It's, uh, yeah, it is, that's the trump card, which is awful. But the ideology and the brainwashing is nuts. And it's heroin, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. They're clearly heroin addicts. Okay, jab-related things. Uh, first of all, A.J. Gochik sent me this, and it's interesting because it's even a bit misleading on the part of uh, Matt Wallace and Dr. Simone Gold, and shame on them for using Elon Musk's name and the Twitter platform to basically associate themselves, albeit falsely, to the Twitter files drops that have been occurring. So on December 26th at 2.10 p.m., Matt Wallace put out a tweet and it says the following quote. He's replying to Elon Musk. It says, it's time to bring to light everything they banned us from saying about COVID at Elon Musk. Join at Dr. Simone Gold and I, along with many other top Twitter doctors, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on December 28th for the biggest reveal all-COVID show in history. I listened to part of it, ladies and gentlemen. It was total bullshit. Uh, They didn't say anything that was new. It was a lot of whining. Our rights have been deprived. We We know that already. We know that. And what this Matt Wallace guy has done, along, of course, with Simone Gold, is they're trying to catch the wave of the publicity that Elon Musk has garnered regarding the Twitter files. And they're, they, they essentially, in the tweet, again, it's misleading. They were making it sound like they were going to have their own Twitter thread of COVID-related information that was going to whatever. It was just an audio discussion that was taking place with individuals logging in and then having a discussion. Dr. Uh, let's see, who was involved? Simone Gold was there. Ryan Cole was there. Dr. Angie Farella was there. And they're not saying anything new. They're just rehashing, and it's just a, it's just a bitching session, for lack of a better phrase. They're just whining about all the old stuff they've been whining about for the last two and a half years. I mean, we get it. We get it. Um, Simone Gold's a grifter, ladies and gentlemen. You know, there's, there's not a publicity stunt she won't engage in. She engaged in a January 6th publicity stunt. She's the pinata that just keeps producing. So I'm going to keep wailing on her because it's just too much fun and it's too easy. And, you know, I get to exercise my first amendment, right? Um, yeah, other than that, it was pretty much a complete waste of time. And it lasted for over four hours. I mean. Talk about needing a nap at least 10 minutes in. Uh, yeah, biggest COVID reveal ever. Okay. There's nothing that can be revealed about it now that we don't already know. Even the people now who are going, you know, we're saying it was a biological weapon created by individuals in the government to kill people. No shit. No kidding. Who doesn't know this? It's the jabbed that don't know it. I'm not discrediting people for their ability to wake up at different times. I fully understand that that's something that's going to continue to happen. And, you know, great. Good for them. But we've known this for a very long time. My question, of course, is why don't you do the flu shots now? 
because that's a biological weapon too. That passes the blood-brain barrier. That permanently injures people. That gets people killed, makes them handicapped, and all kinds of other things. Uh, you know, s- some of the audio too that was played during that Simone Gold Matt Wallace thing was absurd. Th- there was a there was a doctor on there. I-, I could be getting this wrong. In fact, I am. My apologies. Steve Kirsch had a very similar thing take place. A very similar audio conference take place where people could participate. And uh, Dr. Pierre Corey was a person who was participating, and a few other doctors and whatever else. There were still doctors actual medical doctors on that audio that that weren't saying that this is deadly that these shots are killing people that they are permanently altering and snapping in half their dna giving them aids wiping out their immune systems and killing them including of course all of the cancers that are associated with all of this speaking of which Again, nothing new was really said in, in, that, uh, in that audio with Steve Kirsch either. And he had on Dr. Drew and you know a few other people. I mean, how often can you sit in a room and just talk about stuff that people already know about? I mean, I, I know that it kind of happens here on this show. I fully admit that. But it's just very easy to see in these audio clips that these people have in these audio conferences that they aren't on the same page, which brings up the point that I've made consistently, which is I've referred to it as, again, the jab civil war. These people don't understand that they're having conversations with jabbed and unjabbed people. Steve Kirsch is jabbed. Dr. Drew's jabbed. You know, a lot of these people are jabbed. But Somebody like me, for example, they would never invite me and I wouldn't participate because if I did, I'd I'd blow the whole thing up. I would be using phrases like depopulation. They, They wouldn't be able to wrap their heads around that. I would also, of course, bring up the one subject I bring up daily on this show, because that's the basis of the show, is the subject of education. Because again, there are Numerous subjects that we've heard bring up regarding the jabs. We've heard the insurance policy angle, and I'm going to play something regarding that. We've heard the medical industry and how it's impacting the medical industry, and I've, I've brought that up on numerous occasions as well, as have countless other people like Dr. Kerry Madej, which I mentioned in the last episode. But who out there, outside of me, and outside of you listening to this, is bringing up the education apparatus? And connecting the jab and the jab acquisition to the collapse of the education apparatus. Nobody. I'm not hearing Steve Kirsch bring it up. I'm not hearing these medical doctors bring it up. I'm not hearing Steve Bannon bring it up. I'm not hearing Charlie Kirk bring it up in his swollen face. I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing it from any of these people. It's the, it's, it's, it's the complete collapse of the entire education apparatus as we know it. And they themselves, as you've heard me say, are responsible for it with their own actions. It's astounding, but it never gets brought up. All these conferences, all these Zoom calls, all these, you know, this, that, and the other, they don't, they never even touch it with a 10-foot pole. Blows me away. So there you go. I just wanted to kind of mention that, that, uh, you know, Simone Gold was trying to ride the, ride the Elon Musk wave there for a moment. And so was that Matt Wallace guy. And it was just a, you know, it was just a giant bowl of nothing. So whatever. 
they're not researchers. They just, you know, they have a bullhorn, they have followers, God knows why, and then they just yell at the top of their lungs and, you know, listen to me, I'm saying something new. I've said it a million times, but, you know, whatever, it's new. Okay. Whatever you say. Anywho, here's one. Sicily from New Mexico tossed this my way from Breitbart. It says the following, quote, Target limits purchases of children's medicines amid triple-demic. Triple-demic's in quotes. A triple-demic. Good Lord. And a picture with signs on the, on the uh, counters here. It says, all children, infant Tylenol, and Motrin are on a national back order. It says Target, the store, is restricting purchases of specific children's medicines as the nation endures what has been dubbed the triple-demic, a rise in cases of flu, coronavirus, and respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. No, that's not what's on the rise. AIDS is on the rise. That's what it's called. It's called AIDS. And those don't exist. Flu, coronavirus, RSV. These are syndromes of having AIDS. Hence the letter S in the acronym AIDS. Syndrome. It says shoppers trying to find Tylenol, Advil, and Motrin are only allowed two per transaction. And the store's website or inside its brick-and-mortar locations, the Daily Mail reported Tuesday. First of all, another thing real quick. If you take Tylenol, Advil, and Motrin when you're ill, you're going to be ill longer than you would if you took vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, turmeric, you know, antiparasitics, uh, black seed oil. Revisitrol, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, ivermectin, there's that magical antiparasitic that's practically free. Doesn't need a prescription either. Ivermectin, ivermectin.com. Check it out. It's absolutely nuts. These people, you know, th this is the sad part of, of this, and I've, I've stated this a gazillion times, so here comes a gazillion and one. This is the power of brainwashing. When you trick people into believing that illness on a yearly basis is normal, that's a serious problem. When you trick people into believing viruses are real, that's a problem. When you trick people into believing that contagions exist from coughing and sneezing on people or, heaven forbid, touching them, that's, that's a problem. Uh, and when they believe all of these lies, in particular the one that actually I find arguably very, well, not the most disturbing, but it is disturbing, is the blaming, the societal blaming of the quote-unquote, I caught this from someone, or that person over there gave it to me. There's no self-responsibility. There's no, oh, I weigh a thousand pounds and fill my body with poison on a constant basis. That's not why I'm ill. I'm ill because that person over there wasn't wearing a mask and coughed on me. Or I shook hands with this person and they quote-unquote looked sick. It's, out, it's, it's ridiculous. Again, knock on wood, you know, I can't remember the last time I was ill. 
That's how long it's been. Ten years? Maybe? Ten? You know, I exercise? Uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> I don't get sick. But these people are like, well, it's flu season again. Here it comes again. No. Stop pumping your body full of poison. That's all. Don't eat it. Don't drink it. Don't inject it. Don't breathe it in if you can help it. Blows me away. But the blame game. Honestly. Emptying the shells. That was the other thing, too. Cicely mentioned to me in a text message. She said she went to Walmart and the entire children's flu section, the whole shelf, was empty. All of it was gone. That's telling, too, isn't it? Their kids are getting sick. I mean, people's children are becoming very ill. If they're not jabbed, it's because they're around their jabbed, shedding parents. Which leads me to this article, because this is relevant as well. And this was tossed to me by A.J. Gochik, and I believe he said someone tossed this his way. Uh, let me see here. This is from 2022 in the Infectious Disease Research Journal, apparently, titled, quote, Current State of Knowledge on the Excretion of MRNA and Spiked Proteins by Anti-COVID-19 MRNA Vaccines, Possibility of Contamination of the Entourage of Those Vaccinated by These Products, written by Helene Benown. I'm going to read the abstract, because this alone, in particular the last sentences, although the whole thing, this alone is enough reason to pull these jabs away from any doctor's office, hospital, pharmacy, you name it. And this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is full-blown proof of electromagnetism. This is how people become ill. We are electric beings. If the ground outside that we step on has an electromagnetic effect on the cells in our body, which it does, when you walk around barefoot, endless evidence of this, the same is true when we are around other people. If their immune systems and cells are disrupted and we're around them in close proximity, not because they're coughing or sneezing, but because we're around them, we're going to have a disruption in our cells as well, in particular if we're already not well. But listen to this, because this again specifically has to do with these quote-unquote vaccines. They're not vaccines, bioweapons. And it says the following. Here's the abstract. Quote, The massive COVID-19 vaccination campaign is the first time that mRNA vaccines have been used on a global scale. That should have been the red flag for everybody, but it wasn't. It continues, it says the mRNA vaccines correspond exactly to the definition of gene therapy of the American and European regulatory agencies. That means they permanently alter your genes, i.e. your DNA. The regulations require excretion studies of these drugs and their products, the translated proteins. These studies have not been done for mRNA vaccines nor for adenovirus vaccines. There are numerous reports of symptoms and path, uh, pathologies rather identical to the adverse effects 
of mRNA vaccines in unvaccinated persons in contact with freshly vaccinated persons. It is therefore important to review the state of knowledge on the possible excretion of vaccine nanoparticles as well as mRNA and its product, the spike proteins, or protein, period. Continues, it says, vaccine mRNA-carrying lipid nanoparticles spread after injection throughout the body, according to available animal studies. The vaccine mRNA, naked or in nanoparticles or in natural exosomes, is found in the bloodstream as well as vaccine spike in free form or encapsulated in exosomes shown in human studies. Lipid nanoparticles or their natural equivalent exosomes or extracellular vesicles, EVs, have been shown to be able to be excreted through body fluids, sweat, sputum, spit, I guess, um, breast milk, and to pass the transplacental barrier. These EVs are also able to penetrate by inhalation and through the skin, healthy or injured, as well as orally through breast milk, and why not during sexual intercourse through semen, as this has not been studied. It is urgent to enforce the legislation on gene therapy that applies to mRNA vaccines and to carry out studies on this subject while the generalization of mRNA vaccines is being considered, unquote. You heard here first, not tooting my own horn, but you heard me say back in the spring, if not winter of 2021, early 2021, that this was sexually transmitted. It has to be, period. It cannot move around in reproductive organs, the bloodstream, spit, as they allude to, uh, breast milk, sweat, you name it, and it not be associated with seminal transmission or vaginal transmission. It has to be. And we've known this for quite some time because, again, well, you know, they're just anecdotal. It's just anecdotal, ladies and gentlemen. You know, a jabbed person has sex with an unjabbed person, and then all of the sudden, the unjabbed person becomes ill. Well, it's a coincidence, and it's anecdotal, and that's not evidence enough. No, it's a biological weapon. That's what this is. Always has been. Always will be. We knew it. Just more published evidence, and that was published, let's see. Uh, it was accepted on November 7th and available online November 14th of this year. So, boom, bam. I also put that on my Gab page a while back, but I just wanted to read through that as well. Okay, here's a quick little piece of audio. This is from the Vigilant Fox on Substack, and it's titled Top Insurance Analyst. High vax regions show a 15% higher mortality rate in 2022 than 2021. Again, shouldn't surprise anybody. It's a biological weapon. But this is coming from an insurance analyst because this is wreaking havoc on insurance companies. Give this a listen. 
I do have some never before seen anywhere. It wasn't in DC. I thought, you know, it's special to be on your show. I thought I'd, I'd, I'd bring some like US data if you're interested. I don't want to keep going, but on the same, on the same sort of point, um, this is a different kind of way to look at data. It's a scatter plot, X, Y. Um, these data points represent on the x-axis the number of doses per population. So like more doses on the right-hand side, less doses on, on the left. Um, and the up and down axis is the increase as a ratio, like one being the same, one divided of 2022 mortality divided by 2021 mortality. And each of these data points represents a from data from the CDC downloaded a couple of days ago that shows um, by state within with by type of metro area. So like rural are grouped with rural and uh, like big cities are grouped with big cities. Um, the relative vaccine vaccination rates and what it shows you, the fact that it's like upwardly sloping to the right. You know, and the regression line shows, which makes this simple to understand, but you could see even without the regression line, is basically that the parts of our country which have had more doses of the vaccine are now having higher increased mortality in 2022 relative to their levels in 2021. And you can go one step further, Steve, which is that if you look at the red line on the chart, you know, like the slope of the line is basically what U.S. data would say is the vaccine relative relative mortality, you know, coefficient, if you will. Um, I feel like that's an okay word to use because you threw out what's on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Touche. If we, if we went down the slope, you can see that, like, if we were at zero doses, we would have something like 14% lower deaths rate. Right. But if you go one step further, if we had, you know, thank goodness everybody didn't take the, the vaccine. Because you can see that these things are anchored at like, you know, it depends on each of them, but around 200 doses per person. Well, we were supposed to take 400 or 500 if you're over 50. And so actually, if you just do the math on this, if we had followed the CDC's advice, instead of having like a 14 or 15% or something like that, the higher mortality, we would probably have like a 28 or 35% higher mortality rate right now. Just thank goodness we didn't all take the shots. And those of us who took one stopped at one. And those who took two, you know, realized they didn't need to take a booster. It's it's stunning. You know, if Chris Martinson uh, was doing a video on on this slide, I know what he would say. He would say the slope goes the wrong way because <laughs> he's done this before on other things. Or he says the line goes the wrong way. So he did this study and the study was not U.S. It, it was multi-country. It was the Harvard study uh, that was done uh, by this Harvard professor and one of his students. and. And Chris is doing this video on on this study. <laughs> he's he's saying <laughs> the line's going the wrong way. <laughs> this thing, the line is going the wrong way. Yeah, the more the more you vaccinate, the higher your your mortality. So the guy doing the majority of the talking was the insurance analyst by the name of John Sterling. Ed Dowd was in on on that Zoom call from BlackRock and uh, formerly from BlackRock and Steve Kirsch. I, you know, I don't know why Steve Kirsch is laughing. Like, ha, 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 higher mortality, the more you get jabbed. Well, you're jabbed, big boy. So, you know, what's going to happen to you? Um, it's not funny. I don't think any of it's funny. So the laughing aside, you know, I, I, I don't get it. Um, who knows? Maybe his brain is starting to deteriorate from the jabs he took. Hard to know. Either way, 
um, you know, the, the evidence doesn't lie. Yes, the higher the population and the higher the populated area, the more people were likely to get jabs. Um, the more likely they are to get jabbed, the more likely they are to die. That's that's standard, uh, you know, a standard step in the ladder. It's it's common sense at this point, but there you go, fifteen percent higher mortality rate just within the two years. But you know, it's a it's a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. It has one thing has absolutely nothing to do with the other. Don't look over here. Look over here instead. It's it's preposterous, absolutely preposterous. Um, here's the last thing I would like to read through, and these responses are are remarkable. This was sent to me also by a listener of the show, and thank you for sending it. Um, this again has a lot to do with conversations between jabbed and unjabbed individuals over the Christmas break here and Christmas holiday. This is from Patriots.Win, and it is titled the following. It says, my Christmas spent with jabbed and boosted kinfolk seemed to confirm what I had suspected. It says, quote, where I live, I have a hard time drawing firsthand eyewitness conclusions about the jab since I don't know very real, uh, reliably who around me is jabbed and who isn't. Plus, I'm kind of a loner and don't spend enough time around most folks to really tell about their health. But with the folks I spend Christmas with, I knew for a fact, or at least they had told me before, that they were all double jabbed and boosted. So I set out this Christmas to try and draw some conclusions. I value my firsthand observations more than stuff I read on the internet. Excellent. First of all, before I continue reading, I would say excellent. And I would also say this. Anytime you can find yourself around individuals you you know you can have a series of questions to ask them if you know that they're jabbed or you know that they aren't if you're not jabbed and you know that they aren't jabbed you can have open conversations about the jabs no doubt about it if if one party is jabbed and the other isn't that can be a more difficult conversation to have however simply listening as an unjabbed person, can also be very telling. And what you hear out of, out of the mouths of the individuals or even what you physically see can be very telling regarding the state of the jabbed and what's going on with them. So I will continue to encourage that heavily throughout 2023. I recommend everybody do that. You know, make sure that your, your listening ears are on because what you're going to hear and what you're going to even see, I think, is going to be very, very telling uh, with the passing months and the passing years here, and continue to be the case. It continues. They said, quote, I went in believing that the jabs are more dangerous than the regime admits. How could they not be with how they were rushed to market? But I have been skeptical that it is an intentional depopulation weapon. Well. You haven't read enough yet, but that's okay. They continue. They said, This Christmas seemed to confirm that. Of ten jabbed relatives that I know for sure, eight or nine of widely divergent ages seem to be doing just fine. When I saw most of these folks 
last spring, they also seemed to be doing fine. When we got together with other, more extended relatives, who I suspected but don't know for sure are jabbed, they also seemed fine. I tried to have an open mind going in, wary of confirmation bias. I tried not to look too hard for signs of poor health that could be just my imagination. One has been having reoccurring health problems. She never seemed sickly until recently. She didn't look healthy either. Her poor appearance was supported by her, her own account of how the last year or two has gone for her, which is a shame. She's probably the best and brightest of the bunch and young, mid-twenties. I wish nothing but the best for her, unquote. And then the comments, ladies and gentlemen, there are 19 comments varying in length regarding what other people, again, are noticing uh, among people that they are around. Let's see. One of them, of course, says the jab is Russian roulette. Here's, here's one of them, and this is the most highly, highly upvoted one. It says, quote, my observations leads me to believe 10 to 15% of boosted suffer serious adverse effects ranging from infertility to death. I believe there are at least three different formulas being tested on the population with one of them being a placebo. I also believe there is a lot of variance caused by time between injections, genetics, manufacturer, and how close the jab used is to expiration. Now here's the thing with this. You know, I want to be an optimist I want to be an optimist on on all of this, but I want to be a realist also. I have absolutely no proof, none, zero, nor does this person that a placebo was ever used. Were placebos used in the trial? They certainly were. Were they ignored and the results of those placebos ignored? Yes. By and large they were. Because they use the placebos to manipulate their statistics in order to get approval. Now, why would they do that? Because they wanted to approve the most poisonous of the lot. We've heard all the different analysis, I know, and I've even brought it up on this show that, you know, the the red states were the one the red counties and red states were the ones that got the most jabs and the most deadly jabs, while the blue states didn't. Again, I've I've heard all that and I've read that. I don't know if that holds water anymore. You know, you heard I, I played the audio of Dr. Ryan Cole where he openly stated if you got a jab in a warm environment outside, you just got a vial of mush. You lucked out. You'll be fine is uh, is what he was implying. Bullshit. I don't believe that either. It's all poison. It's all poison. The varying degree, you know, does it matter on the person and, and what's, in, what's in the juice? Probably. Some people died the first time they took the first shot, immediately after it. I've read those accounts on here firsthand. Um, you know, there are varying degrees to this, but that's how poison works. You've heard me use the dog example regarding antifreeze. We once had a dog in the family who consumed antifreeze before we acquired the dog. Years later, not many years later, but the dog started to lose its hair. 
Didn't know why. Started to get big red rashes on it. Took it to the vet. The vet said it was experiencing kidney failure and poisoning as a result of consuming antifreeze before we acquired it. What was the diagnosis? It was terminal. The dog was going to die as a result of organ failure based on antifreeze. Did it die immediately after drinking antifreeze? No. It died years later. Because that's how poisoning works. Here's another comment. Uh, They said the following, quote, I'm observing the same thing, but I can't help but be nervous. I feel like every one of them has a time bomb inside of them, and no one has a clue when it will go off, or if it will even go off. I hope it doesn't. Me too. I hope it doesn't too. It says, um, they continued, and they said, not just for my loved one's sake, but for everyone who got duped into getting jabbed. It's a scary time. Another one said, if everybody in the group started smoking two packs a day, would you expect to see them all wheezing and sick after a year? Probably not. But five to ten years down the road, as a group, they'd have more health issues than you as a non-smoker. And 15 to 20 years down the line? If I'm not willing to bet my own health, I'm sorry, they said, quote, I'm not willing to bet my own health by participating in this medical experiment given the relatively low risk of COVID, quote-unquote. Let's see. They continue to say that. Yep, they continue to say that exactly. You know, my uh, Peter Jennings, remember, I'm I'm going off here a little bit, but you recall Peter Jennings used to be the ABC News anchor. I mean, he smoked for maybe 10 years, give or take and died of lung cancer. My grandmother smoked from the age of 30 uh, into her early 90s. Not a problem. Not a single problem. So, there you go. It, 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 I'm certain it doesn't affect everybody the same way, but the things that are in these shots are, are not what have been in previous shots. It is, quote-unquote, gene therapy. Again, it's snapping people's DNA in half. Uh, Another post says the following, quote, my family is riddled with post-shot reactions and other medical diagnosis since the jabs were rolled out. It did not take much time for my suspicions, uh, take much time and my suspicions were confirmed. My apologies. It says, really? Too many to list, however. I will say that my family has experienced the worst of the noted reaction and side effects of the jabs. My opinion of the medical industry is forever changed due to it. They lie, they create obstacles with their protocols, and they do it all for big pharma, unquote. Here's another one. It says, all of my friends who are also like family are jabbed. The older folks are the ones who are in healthcare and are fine. The youngest, under 25, are all fine. The ones who appear to be getting sick all of the time now are 45 to 65. Many of these folks are daily alcohol drinkers and don't seem phased in the least. Uh, the oldest, rather, is 39, I'm sorry, is 93 years old, and they are very socially active and seem to be fine. They all got jabbed around the same time and live in the same region. None of this is scientific data, of course. What I will say, the people who seem to be affected are the ones who got jabbed in other regions of the United States 
and are having the equivalent of full-on allergic reactions, if it makes sense. But no one in my home has gotten a jab, including refusing flu shots, in three years and haven't gotten sick either, unquote. Yep. Yep. Again, the region thing, I know that that's bounced around. A lot of people have talked about that. I have no idea. I have no idea on that. Uh, here's another one. It says the vax does nothing but hurt your immune system and give you blood clots. We have an immune system for a reason. Why on earth would anyone want to put an experimental vaccine into their system? Moderna came out with their vaccine in two days. Look it up. It's all a joke, and it's designed to keep people sick. Not everyone, but many. All to boost Big Pharma's profits. It's all about money per usual. Did you see the person had a 10-inch blood clot pulled out of their body? That was 100% the vaccine. Not a vaccine bioweapon. I haven't taken the vaccine, and I have had COVID three times, and what do you know I survived? The vaccine does nothing positive, despite my friends telling me it lessened the effects of COVID. How do you know it lessened the effects? L-O-L-O-L. Again, if a person believes that they got COVID three times, they're being shed on by a bioweapon. Because if it were a natural illness of some kind or dis-ease, their immune system would learn from that, and then they'd never get it again. That's why this is a biological weapon, because people are becoming ill who are unjabbed multiple times from, of course, being around jabbed people who are shedding. So, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, this is, again... What has been happening and what can, will continue to happen, both from a jab-related aspect, a business-related aspect, a education-related aspect, this isn't going to go away. This being the last episode of 2022, I want to thank everybody for listening to this show. I really do. Um, if you move the show along to other people, if you share it with other people, I greatly appreciate it. I hope that they are continuing to listen. If it's not every episode, you know, one episode uh, every now and again is fine by me. It's about knowledge acquisition. It's about critical thinking. And I hope that, uh, I hope that continues to happen on this show. I hope I continue to bring up-to-date, valid information your way that expands thinking, because that's the whole point. Here's what I'll say in summary with 2022. It was very revealing for a variety of reasons, copious amounts of reasons, as you would expect. I think that if I was to pick one thing that was the most important from a revealing standpoint, certainly from a, a, a documentation standpoint, it would have to be two things. And it's not the Twitter files, in my opinion. The first would have to be the release of the Pfizer documents on a month in and month out basis that's that 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 of course began in the spring of this of this year that was monumental and it cannot be understated how important that was that was that was enormous and i've gone over many of those documents of course i can't go over all of them that's impossible but i've gone over many and I think that the, the court order of that release of those documents was massive. So let's not forget 
all of that from back in March, April, May, June, July. Um, you know, th- that was that was massively important because the fraud was right there for everyone to see. The second thing I think is the continuation of medical journals publishing the results of what people are finding regarding these shots. I think that also is is a second major thing that has occurred here regarding these jabs and the revealing of of uh, of what these jabs are doing to people and and what they're causing from a variety of standpoints. The third thing has to do with education and the collapse of the entire education system as we know it. It is happening. It's beyond evident. The eyes don't lie. People's firsthand accounts of what they're experiencing with classes being dropped, not enough students in class, lower enrollment, mandating the jabs for people to attend, professors taking the jabs two, three, four, five, six, seven times. I'm shocked they're alive. Many are dying. That is continuing to happen. But homeschooling is on the rise. Online education is on the rise. I have two degrees from Walden University. Walden University has commercials during all these bowl games. Okay, and I'll fully admit I'm watching some of these bowl games because I'm gambling with some family members and, you know, it's just nice downtime, don't have to think about anything. Uh, And some of them are actually, you know, pretty close and and kind of fun to watch. Um, After college football is over with, I'm I'm done with sports, basically. But, uh, but, but yeah, that, that's, that's that's a thing that's happening, you know. Abeka has commercials on television now as well, and th- that's continuing to happen. That's not an accident. These groups and these institutions know that there is a need. They know that they can see it in their own numbers. They they can see it, and that need is going to increase. I have no doubt in my mind. I think the increase is going to occur exponentially in 2023, without a doubt. I wrote a brief Substack article again at the beginning of this month highlighting uh, a list of predictions that I think are going to occur in 2023. I think that's going to happen. It already is happening. And I think we have a lot to look forward to, a lot to look to, a lot to listen to, a lot to view. And I plan on being here for it. And I hope you will join me. So thank you again for listening in 2022. Here comes 2023 because it's going to be a doozy. Happy New Year, everybody. And I'll catch you next Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.